Today's episode features Lainey Gold, who is currently in the cast on the national tour of the musical Tootsie. We delve into her journey, including the discovery of her love for musical theater, the difficulties of touring, and trying to stay fresh and motivated as performers on the eight shows a week grind. We talk about the micro inequalities actresses have to deal with, including the extra expenses that they're expected to make. Lainey then insightfully shares about her relationship with her faith and how it guides her pursuits, but also how selfless Christian values can inherently contradict a profession that is self-centered at its core. She then breaks down the musical theater rehearsal process. We end by bringing up the trends that we're seeing on Broadway and the importance of diverse casts in creating a new normal in terms of representation. Oh my god, I'm so excited to have you doing my first in-person interview on the road with another person from tour, so it's really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. Are you good to introduce yourself and just say hi? Yeah. Hi, my name is Lainey Gold, and I am currently on the national tour of Tootsie the Musical. I am in the ensemble. I'm female ensemble number number two, to be exact. (laughs) And um, yeah, it's been really fun. This is my first like big gig really I mean I've done some biggish equity houses in the country but this is my first time touring and doing like a first national especially so it's been really fun yeah and we're coming at you from our last stop on this tour which is crazy we're in Costa Mesa California right now um so it's really exciting it's kind of a full circle moment where it's about to all be over I know it's so crazy um yeah wild are you good to kind of give us your musical theater origin story. Yeah. Take us from the top. Yeah, <laughs> from the top. <laughs> so I have always done dance competition. Like, that was my thing when I was young. I started competing when I was, like, six. And I did ballet, kind of. I wasn't, like, a ballerina, but um, that's how I started, like, getting on the stage. And I always loved to sing. I would sing Annie. Um, my mom actually recently just sent me this, like, little home video she found of me singing, um, Maybe. Do you know that song? Yeah. Annie, Maybe, Far Away, when I was, like, three. That's so cute. Um, so that was kind of fun. Anyway, so I always kind of liked just, like, performing and being out there, um, and I started doing poetry competitions in high school, or not in high school, when I was younger, I would do, like, poetry recitation and stuff like that. Um, so then, in eighth grade, I took a, a year off of dance competition, and my friend was like, do you want to do the play, like, audition for it? We were doing Oliver mm-hmm. at our school, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, why not? Like, I have this free time, because I'm not competing, and I just loved it so much, and I loved acting. I didn't get to act that much. I was the milkmaid, <laughs> so I, <laughs> like... Just saying about milk for a second, but I had a solo. It was great. There and um, yeah, and I got to act in this song where there was like a big scary man, and I got to act really scared. And I just remember thinking that was the most fun thing ever. And it kind of combined all the things that I did. Um, in high school, I did compete in poetry recitation, but um, yeah, just like dancing, singing, acting, these things that I love, like all into one in the musical. And um, yeah, so that's how I really got started, and then I started doing, like, the community theater stuff with my one friend. Her name's Natalia Fisher. She is awesome. We've been best friends since I was in, like, ninth grade, I would say, and she's mm-hmm. the one who kind of pulled me into all of that, and um, so I'd kind of just do the shows with her. Like, we would do it together as a fun thing, but then I started being like, oh, I think I, like, might be good at this, you know, and... Um, might want to keep doing this. So then I went to school for musical theater in Nashville. I went to Belmont University. Um, And that was fun. And I kind of also found the passion for writing there because I would love to end up writing a little bit more someday. Um, But yeah, just doing summer stock. And then um, during the pandemic, I got this job. It was crazy because I got a call from, or I got, like, the self-tape from my agent, like, during the heat of the pandemic when nothing was happening, and I, like, 
went to my studio and filmed it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so bad. I haven't danced in, like, two months, and no, nothing's even happening, you know? I was like, this isn't even gonna happen, so... I just did it, and my friend helped me, and I was like, this sucks, but I'm going to send it anyway. <laughs> like, that was how I thought. That was, like, how I felt about it. And then I got a call back, like, a few days later, and I was like, oh, lit. And um, I got to do some of the material from the show, and then I didn't hear anything for literally an entire year. And what part of the pandemic was, like, the beginning process? Like, early? Um, like, 2020? Yeah, like, June of 2020. Okay. Was so when that first I did summer. this. Yeah. Um, to auditions and I didn't hear anything for an entire year I was working at a school teaching voice lessons I decided not to go back to New York because I just there was still not much happening and I wanted to save money and I loved my job at the school teaching kids and like helping them with their their shows and stuff Um, so that was really really fun and I actually was about to sign on for another year this is a, a very long version of the no, please. story. No, <laughs> This is great. But I was about to sign on um, to the school full-time, actually, and um, teach voice for another year. And that morning, I had an appointment with our headmaster to, like, go in and be like, I'm accepting this job. And at, like, 7 a.m., I get a call from New York. It was my agent. And he's like, hi, remember the Tootsie Tour? I was like... Oh, and I had also been in callbacks for Cats. So I was oh, like, wow. I had like flown to New York a couple weeks before that for my Cats callback and um, didn't hear anything. Like, I thought I got cut, which I know now that I did. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, then when I saw my agent calling me, I was like, oh, maybe they changed their mind or they want me to sing something or yeah. whatever. And then it was just totally different. He was like, hey, Tootsie. And I was like, oh, yes. And he was like, you got it. You got the job. I was like, what? Like, that's, that's it? And it was like, like the same morning? Yes, it was that morning. It was so crazy. So wow. I felt kind of bad going into the school. And then I was like, I know I said I was um, probably going to take this job, but I'm just, I'm not. I just got this job on this tour. It was like Wild. so out of the blue. And that was like exactly a year after I did my callback. So That's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, for me, like, it, it was just God being like, okay, this is actually what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, really directing me, I felt like. Yeah. Because so, I was kind of in the, I think a lot of performers were feeling this way in the pandemic of, like, I should probably find something else that I'm passionate about. Like, yep. we don't really know what's going to happen with theater. I was starting to feel pretty discouraged. Yeah. And I got cut from Cats, you know, and I was like, ah, maybe I should. Maybe that's a sign I'm supposed to, like, teach for a while. Um, anyway, so it wasn't, (laughs) you know, so. It's good to know that it's just, I think, a thing of the industry, too, that it's just chaos, and you think you didn't get it, and then things can just come up (laughs) out of the blue. So the same thing happened to me. Like, I had to quit my job my first week, because I got to see three days into, like, a big finance job. Oh, that's right, I remember. So it's, like. Yeah, it was also just a sign from the universe or something or someone that it's just like, no, time to pivot and do the thing I was meant to do. Yeah. But COVID was totally a time, I think, for all artists to be like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Super crazy. But now we're here. Yeah, now we're on this tour. And now we're on this tour. Now we're about to not be on this tour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So Tootsie is going out for a second year and neither of us are going back. What is your reasoning? I I just kind of had to follow my gut. Like, I really loved this job. It was a huge stepping stone for me. We rehearsed in Syracuse, New York, and we got to work with a lot of the original creatives. So Dennis Jones, Dave Solomon, and it was just such a magical time. Like, I loved it so much. I love rehearsal process. That's my favorite part of a show. Most people, it's the performing and, like, getting through the rehearsal, but I just, I love rehearsals. Um, Anyway, so, like, all of that was just so wonderful. Like, I remember waking up every day and being just, like, so happy to be there. I loved it so much, and I'm so thankful it happened, but also I just feel like I want to see what else is out there, and, like, now that I have this experience under my belt, I just really want to, I don't know, keep going and... I 
I like tour, but it's also hard. Like, sometimes it can be lonely. Like, sometimes it can be really hard to pack your suitcase every week. And our lives are our work. That's like your only consistency in your life. Mm -hmm. As far as like what you see immediately, like you can keep in contact with people, obviously. But like, that's been hard for me in a lot of ways. And I've grown a lot, which I'm super thankful for, but I've been feeling for a bit now that, like, I'm really ready to be planted again, yep. to be around my community in New York. I have a lot of friends there, so I'm super excited for that, um, to go to dance classes, just all these things, like, just introducing routine back into my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. What about for you? I feel the exact same way. Mm -hmm. I think similar challenges on tour. Yeah. It can get really lonely. Mm -hmm. I think especially in the pit, being one of two women, being yeah. the youngest in the pit by a lot. Yeah. It's been challenging at mm -hmm. times. And you make the best of it, and you make sure to, like, get along with everyone and, you know, try to make really good music with people. And um, I love performing, but I also love the rehearsal process and I yeah. love the variety of just playing so many new things and constantly being stimulated and you are stimulated when you perform mm -hmm. but I think the eight show a week grind does take away some of the magic yeah at least for me where yeah I loved just being a part of like five or six ensembles and like reading through 20 things at a time and just like having so much going on and yeah being around more people my own age mm -hmm. um and yeah, like making music with your friends and just doing it because you love it. And I think it's been a combination of like constantly uprooting, having problems with the routine, like not being surrounded, at least like in the pit immediate circle by people my own age. Like, right, right. it's been a lot of combining factors to be like, this is really tough. Mm -hmm. um, but also have grown a lot. Have I feel like I've aged like 10 years in these nine <laughs> no, months. Me too. I was like, I've lived so much life <laughs> in a very same. short amount of time. Yeah. So it's weird, like, feeling both really young and really old at the same time. I don't know if you yeah. feel that, where I'm like, I feel like I've aged so much and I'm around older people most of the time, so I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I feel so young and out of place, and all the references they're making go, like, way over my head. Right. But at the same time, I feel really old, because I'm, like, hanging out with these, like, 50, 60-year-olds. Like, right. this is super weird. And we've, we've been in, like, 30 cities, yeah. and that's, like... Just a lot of content constantly happening and just yeah. by virtue of constantly moving around and seeing people and doing things and yeah. it's exhausting. Super grateful for it, especially after the pandemic of being like, I'm never going to travel again or see anyone or like perform again and yeah, it's the opposite of that. So I feel like there's so much closure with whatever next steps hold, Yeah, which I didn't have during COVID. It was like everything was just like abruptly cut. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I don't think... I don't see myself being a touring musician. Yeah. Um, I think I'm open to maybe one more year, but yeah, I think it also it would need to be a new production. I think also the idea of like doing another 300 shows of the same show, I was like, that's just oh, too much. Yeah. That's too repetitive as someone who really loves like variety and, but yeah, hope both of us are going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I think so. But, yeah, it's exciting to make that decision one way or the other, to come back or to not, I think. Yeah, and, like, we're both young, so it's, like, variety. I'm the same way. Like, I crave that also, and it's, like, I'm sure I'll come to a point where I have more desire for, like, stability and consistency, and in ways I do because of I want some routine and stuff, but yeah. I also, like, as far as my art goes and my work goes, like, I'm just really excited to see what else is out there like what else can I be a part of yep. yeah it's really exciting yeah I'm the same way I definitely have craved more stability than I thought where I'm like 23 and ready to settle down right now <laughs> yeah, I'm me like, too. I just want to be in one place yeah and, like be able to breathe and unpack and like yeah. everything is any part of you like scared of going back to like quote-unquote civilian life because I do think mm -hmm. the tour bubble like you have the things that are amazing about it you have your grievances with it yeah. But one way or another, or with all of it, I guess, combined, because I think there's, like, a mixed bag within all of it, is, like, you get really used to it. Change is always a little bit scary, you know? Yeah. Because it's just, you have to adjust again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely, as 
as far as like getting a steady paycheck, I'm I'm just preparing myself to have to be back in that space of like, okay, I'm gonna have to grind a little bit, maybe work a job that's not performing for a bit, um, just to get on my feet, to get grounded. Yeah. And that's not always something that's like exciting to look forward to. It still is though, honestly, like I don't know. Yeah, there's a part of me that's like, it's scary. I'm also very extroverted, so having stimulation from an audience, like having, you know, someone, I live with my friend, so it's like I wake up and I have a friend there. Right. And mostly I like having community. So I think that'll be an adjustment, but I'm also looking forward to having new community too, once I get to the city. Yeah. It could, even if you're, like, pretty extroverted, be nice to just, even just, like, for your body to yeah. just not do eight shows a week. Yeah. And I feel that, where I'm like, oh my god, like, the entire day is in service of the show, and, like, on days where I try to, like, have fun and, like, explore and see friends and whatever, I'm, like, drained by the time I play the show. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the days where I do nothing, and I just roll up to the show, mm-hmm. but I play, like, great, and it's, like, trying to find that balance. So I feel like it'll be nice to kind of hit reset for a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, when I was thinking about how tired I get from doing the show, I'm like, at least I'm not on stage. Yeah. How do you guys deal with full hair and makeup every day on stage, like, smiling, giving <laughs> it your all, or at least faking that you're giving it your all? Or, yeah. like, I can just be, like, I can show up super out of it in block pajamas and just kind of, like, sink in my chair and get away with playing the show. Right. Well, I mean, either, in both instances, it's, like, our routine is our routine, you know? So it's, like, part of my routine is putting on makeup. Yeah. And I still sometimes pop myself down. Like, yeah. I'm just, like, a zombie, like, doing my makeup. Um, but, you know, I guess that's why we're all performers is because we all feel that we have that capacity to, like, present, you yeah, know? Yeah, turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just a different kind of energy. It's not necessarily more or less. It's just um, different than sitting in the pit and, like, being attentive to your conductor, being ready to play. You yeah. Know, you guys play every song. Like, I can't say that for myself. Like, I'm not in any of Drew's solos or... That's a good point. Or Julie's song. Yeah, it's just a different... It's, like, more... It's more like a sprint where it's, like, we're just chilling off stage. And then we go back on and we have to be, like, 100% and then yeah. we're chilling off stage for a while. Whereas yeah. I feel like you have more of, like, a marathon where yeah. you're playing throughout the whole show. Like, just different energy. Yeah, it is different. Do you have any, like, pre-show rituals? I used to be really good about warming up. I've kind of gotten lazy, but Same. I do. <laughs> I do like to go to the stage, like, to the deck and be there before the show starts as opposed to warming up in my dressing room. Mm-hmm. or in, like, the hallway or something. Um, so that's been nice. I think just hearing the buzz of the audience, hearing the orchestra warming up. And orchestra warming up is one of my favorite sounds ever because it's like, oh, art is coming. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, I just love it. Like, it takes me back to when I would go see The Nutcracker with my family, and my mom would always walk us down to the pit you know, we'd go down to the front of the house and, and watch the orchestra warming up, doing their thing, doing their little A, you know? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. It just, it sounds so, like, exciting to me. How cool was it, then, for you to sit in on the pit the other week? It what was, was that like? so fun. It was so cool, because it's like, what we're hearing is through the monitors when we're on the stage, so it's like a filtered kind of mixed version of what you guys are playing to be there with the instruments and they're just louder and I can hear more things that I couldn't before. Also, it's crazy how like your visual and your audio are connected where it's like I will never notice a part and then I'll watch someone mm. play it and then all of a sudden that part like pops out to my ear and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's a trumpet line there. I didn't even notice, you right. know? It just is like crazy. So that was happening the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, Gabe's playing like his guitar here. Like, yeah. I would have not never known if I wasn't just like straight up staring at him. Right. Um, so that's 
really why I wanted to be down there with you guys is so I can like watch what you're doing and like hopefully just like hear things in a different way that I hadn't heard them before. So it was really special. It was really nice of Soto, our music conductor, too, the best. to let me do that. And um, I was really excited, too, because on the part when the orchestra falls apart, you know, and Ariva Dare. That's my favorite part. I love <laughs> the entire so show. Much. I love it. There's a part in the show where yeah. Michael Dorsey, the lead, is, is um, like, stop, 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 everyone. He stops the show because he has to give this dramatic monologue. And... Um, that includes stopping the orchestra, so they all get to, like, fall apart. Yeah, it sounds like a record being taken off the vinyl and just kind (laughs) of, like, like, falling away. It's so funny. Um, I love it, because it used to be really short, like, boo, but then recently it became, like, a whole drawn-out thing, which, like, boo, boo, Like, you all just forget how to play Yeah, (laughs) for, like, five seconds, and it feels like a minute. Yeah. And I'm probably the one in there messing around the most. Really? And Soto always looks at me after and just starts cracking up every night. I'm just, like, trying to do something weird to throw people off. Right. And I it's, love it. the audience won't know, but it's just a moment for me being, like, this is me honing my craft. And, yeah, like, yeah. what weird sound effects could I make today? Right. It's so fun. And when I was sitting down there, Josh, our Keys 1 player, who I was sitting next to, let me, like, Oh, really? On the keys and, like, fall apart with him. I love that. I loved it. It was really fun. That's really cool. Yeah, that was my contribution to the orchestrations that night. There we go. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I think it's cool, too, because I think we are so separate from you guys. Like, I wish I could be in the, like, backstage one night and just, like, see the madness and, like, all of it. But I think it's cool to, like, yeah, just, like, appreciate and see what it takes to, like, put on the entire show. Yeah. Um, super cool that you got to do that. Madness is a good word. Shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. I wanted to ask about the challenges of being an actress in the industry and, like, things just that you guys have to deal with with that male actors don't. Mm -hmm. Um, it was interesting, like, trying to think about it as someone who doesn't really know, because I could talk about it all day long about being a female trumpet player and being in the minority and, like, all this stuff, but it is interesting that, like, I'm sure there are all these differences, but at the end of the day, like, you guys are split, at least, like, in the casts, right? It'll be about 50% men, yeah. 50% women. So, yeah, a little bit of, like, a different setup. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like we have almost an opposite challenge whereas you're usually in the minority um and in the show like once you're on a contract you're right it is kind of 50 50 but as far as the industry goes like I'm in the majority Mm -hmm. being a woman Mm -hmm. trying to be a musical theater actress and that has is actually a huge challenge because it's like so many roles we go up for I'm going up against lord knows how many other women and guys there's just not as many of them yeah so and everyone needs them so it's not that there's no challenge for them and that it's not it doesn't still take a lot of skill to succeed but it is there's just less of them going out for jobs yeah and that's always a huge challenge there's so many of me like my type like kind of ingenue blondish girls trying to you know, be in an ensemble, and um, it can be really challenging showing up for an audition, and there's just so many people similar to me who have similar skill sets. Of course, I do think everyone's unique and brings something different, and I, I think that's why it's really important to find that, like, find what makes you unique, because it's hard going up against so many other girls all the time. Yeah. And I, I can't let myself fall into a, okay, I'm the, I'm the, like, little, like, blonde one in the ensemble. You know, I can't think of myself that way. I have to think of, like, what I bring. Another challenge that I think we've talked about before is just, like, little micro inequalities, like makeup. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot is because when I'm going to buy makeup for the show, and every theater I've worked at, I've had to do my own makeup, even, like, equity houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the girls do, unless you have, like, a specialty makeup. Now, I don't know what it's like on a really high-budget tour, like Hamilton or Wicked. Right. 
it might be different, but it is something that's always been assumed is that that's something we'll provide. And um, when we reached out to the company about compensation for makeup, because that's something that we're expected to have for our job, it's something we're required to have. It's very expensive, like at Sephora, you know, a bottle of good foundation is $50. Yeah. So um, the answer we always get is, your per diem should cover it. But then we get the same per diem as the guys. Right. And they're not expected to, to use it for any of that. So at the end of the day, we have less money that we can actually use for what per diem is supposed to be for our food and, you know, living your life. Right. Than the guys do. Um, and we're still expected, like, if I showed up to the show without makeup at all, that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, someone would be like, where's your makeup? Right. But everything else is provided for. So that is definitely something that's unique to women in the industry is, like, we're that's just... Honestly, I feel like it's a massive oversight that it's always just been like that since I've been working mm-hmm. professionally of, like, you have to have your own makeup and you have to use it and that's on your expense, but that's just never expected of men. Um, so that's a big, that's that is tough. a big one. Um, it's expensive. And do they wear makeup and do they get like compensated for it or does someone like help them apply it or do they not need to wear it? They don't need to wear it. Okay. Some guys will get like foundation and that's about it. I think for Drew, who plays Michael Dorothy, I think his makeup is all provided for. I don't think Ashley's is, which... Mm. So I don't think our leading lady's makeup is provided for, but our leading man, who sometimes is dressed as a woman, yeah, his is provided for. So that's very interesting as well, because I think it's like once a man has these expectations that they don't normally have, they feel like they have to cater to them all the right. time. like Or heels or something like that. Like... Women are always expected to be able to dance in heels. But a lot of the choreographers on Broadway are men. And they don't always try their choreography in heels before they give it, you know? Right. Or wasn't it um, you and Neek that told me about, like, the Kinky Boots show that was, like, guys dancing in heels and they were paying for their foot massages? Yes, yes, that was Peyton um, when she did Kinky Boots. Yeah. But, yes... They got all of them foot massages because they had to wear their heels all day. And the girls are like, um, right. hello, like, we're also wearing heels. That's crazy. So, it's just things like that that they don't think about, like, what is just automatically expected of us. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about. And something yeah. that I don't really have to think about. Right, right. Because I can just show up looking like a... I don't even know. Yeah. Like, yeah, literally, like, just in my black PJs rolling in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my favorite is sometimes I'll just be in the elevator with, like, one of the actresses, um, and, like, yeah, Peyton will just be like, wow, you look so comfy, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is great. Because <laughs> we're all jealous. We're like, yeah. I'm having like, my pin curls. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to shift gears a tiny bit, just because I thought it'd be cool to ask you, but I know you are a practicing Christian, and I wanted to ask about... Um, if your faith has kind of, like, guided you on this journey on either more of, like, a macro level of, like, wanting to pursue the arts and then maybe more on, like, a micro level, too, of, like, day-to-day, but just, like, maybe relationship with Christianity and then also, like, wanting to be in the musical theater space. Yeah. I love this question. It's so big and complicated, but, um, I mean, I would say it didn't necessarily, like, make me want to be in the arts, but I do believe that God, like, puts skills and desires and, you know, whatever it is that makes you want to do what you do on your heart for a reason. And so I believe that performing, being an artist, is what I'm called to do. And um, it's, it's definitely... It's hard. Some contracts, like, I find people who really share that perspective. Um, And then some contracts, I am, you know, definitely in the minority, if not, like, the only person who has has faith in God in that way. Um, So it can be difficult to navigate, for sure. Like, it's... I think 
one of the huge things is that like this industry is so or at least being an actor can feel so self-focused like it's about my career it's about my path and you know as someone with faith i i believe relationship and building human connection is the most important thing in the world and my whole purpose is to be in people's lives for whatever season it is um, for whatever reason I don't always know the reason you know yeah. but just trusting that there is one and um, having peace with that and having peace with um, that it's not always about me yeah and I think that's been a huge battle for me in this is you know sometimes there are a lot of people who who don't share that perspective of of it's all about the other people around me instead of it's about it's just about me mm. um, and it's really easy for me to fall into that and I find myself really being like well I want to focus on what I want I want to do this 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 and I do like I said before believe those desires are, are valid and are like there for a reason but they're not my purpose my my purpose isn't to be a star on Broadway like, my purpose, that might be where my purpose leads me. Yeah. But the purpose is loving others and, like, being a servant to other people. And so I think when I'm not surrounded by like-mindedness in that way, it can be really easy for me to, like, turn my focus really inward and mm -hmm. really start living just for me. Like, what can I get from relationships? What can I get yeah. from this, this? and. It's, it's a very delicate balance between, like, asserting, being assertive and standing up for myself and versus, like, when is it, when is it not the time? Like, when do I need to let things go? When do I need to pick my battles and see things as an opportunity for grace as mm. opposed to an opportunity for, like, making sure I get what I want out of things? That's super interesting. Just because you're right when you say it like that, it does seem like very contradictory to believe in something that's so selfless and then to do something that can be pretty selfish. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's been a huge battle for me, like on tour especially, because um, it's like when do I make those sacrifices for other people? When do I not and, and stick to what I need to do for myself? Yeah. And... And I do think that a lot of times it's different, or my boundaries are different in that way of, yeah. like, putting other people's needs ahead. Because um, I believe in that principle and the people that I really look up to in my life. My grandparents, my dad was like this. He passed away um, in 2018. But I thought of this a lot. We're getting deep now. <laughs> But I thought of this a lot at his memorial service, you know, as his life was ending sooner than a lot of people. He was 56. Yeah. And no one was coming up to me and sharing with me, like, wow, I really admired your dad because he was a business owner. Um, but no one was like, oh, I really admired him because he was great with numbers and, and ran a tight ship and right. was a great businessman. You know, people were coming up to me. Um, he had a soccer training program and mm -hmm. saying like, wow, like your dad, my family was in a hard time and your dad like coached all my kids for free and mm -hmm. just like gave and was giving and I'm getting emotional. Anyway, that was like the feedback, like, wow, your dad had his priorities of, of people, like loving people is the most important thing. And sometimes that does come at personal cost. And I think a lot of this industry would say that that personal cost isn't worth it. It's it's all about you. Yeah. And that's not how I want to live. Yeah. I, I want to have greater impact than that. And I want to be able to make personal sacrifices because I think it's the right thing. Um, and because it might, it might genuinely benefit someone else more than me, you know? And like be happy with that and be at peace with that. Um, and that also comes with, you know, having faith that if I don't get an opportunity and someone else does, that's also for a reason. And yeah, 
that that gives me a lot of peace. Like sometimes I, in such a competitive industry, it's hard for me to imagine like going through, going through this without that faith that like I'm being looked after and, and God is really like putting the pieces together for me. Like there's so much being done under the surface that I don't see that's really for my good. And I think that allows me to be like, okay, that door is closed and I can, I can have faith that that's closed for a reason instead of being like, oh my gosh, I didn't get that job. Like, I can't believe it. Like that girl got, it just like adds this whole layer of there's more in my life than just like my career, what I achieve. And it, it gives me a lot more peace, I think, to just like take whatever comes. Like that COVID year, I wouldn't trade it. I would not trade it for anything. Like it was hard for a bit and I had like huge challenges and you know, jumping into a teaching job, which wasn't something I thought I would want to do. Like that was difficult. And, um, but I just like that underlying current of like, this is, a time for you to serve and to not be about yourself and that's not only okay but good and mm-hmm. like beautiful and um so I'm like so thankful for that time that I spent like just giving and pouring out into these kids and um in some ways it's so much more fulfilling than yeah whenever I get caught up on tour of like myself like how is my reputation how is how are people viewing me? Yeah. That's, even when it's like good and I feel good about how I'm doing and how my reputation is, it's still in a lot of ways less fulfilling than feeling like I'm giving. So one of the biggest challenges is in this environment, like how am I still able to serve other people? And when I don't have those really um, foundational friendships around me who who share that, that ambition, it's hard for me to, it's easy for me to get lost in, in it and, and not see my purpose as clearly. It's interesting because like, I don't consider myself a very religious person, but I also feel like I share a lot of like the same kind of values and principles Mm -hmm. because I think there is like a spiritual side of me that just needs to be like, maybe like figured out at some point. Yeah. But I totally agree that like, I think things always happen the way they're supposed to and like everything will be fine because it has to be I'm not sure what guides that exactly but I do kind of also agree on like all these like hardships and like COVID years and like all the tumultuousness of all of this it's like oh it's all leading to like something bigger that's kind of supposed to be happening and like there's so much growing and like good that's also coming out of like all the struggle Mm -hmm. um also I think kind of realizing that I don't know, I used to think that I was very chosen and I have all these things to accomplish and do, and I think now I'm kind of like, I don't know, I've kind of let go of that a little bit, but I think in a really great way where I'm like, oh, it's not really about me being the best trumpet player in the world and getting all the validation in the world. It's about also connecting with people and like not taking gatherings and performances for granted and for like, just like seeing this for what it is, like good, bad, and ugly, but also just appreciating this is like a gift of a year and like Mm. and realizing that the part of trumpet that I love the most isn't necessarily the trumpet anymore where Mm. I used to just be like the world is trumpet yeah Yeah. this is all that exists all is trumpet (laughs) and now it's like oh what's bigger like one level outside of that is like music is all that matters and then one level outside of that is like making music with people I love Mm. and then like the level outside of that is like traveling the world it's led me to like all of my friendships, whether it's people in the arts or people outside the arts, that it's just, like, it, like, brought me to New York, and that's where I met everyone I love who's in New York, and, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has taken me all over the country and internationally, and, like, I'm like, oh, it's just been guiding me to all the people and experiences in my life, and that's what's really cool about it. Mm -hmm. It just sounds like there's, like, similarities in that, even though I don't consider myself a super religious person, but... Yeah, it's really interesting. And thank you so much for sharing. It was really oh, insightful. Of course, yeah. Um, I have only a few things left to ask you since we're kind of short on time. Mm-hmm. But 
something I try to do in every interview is to like break down a concept for basically like people in the arts, but I think more importantly, kind of people who aren't in the arts, um, just to try to make this world that is such a niche feel more, more accessible. Yeah. Um, so if you're down to, yeah, pick something in like the musical theater or dancing space and then kind of just break it down. That'd yeah, be awesome. totally. So a lot of people ask me like, what is the rehearsal process like? Um, for a show like this because I'll, I'll tell people they're like how long did you rehearse and I'm like oh for well for a lot of equity shows it's like two weeks for this we had three weeks and then tech I think yeah um, and people are like wow that's so sh- such a short time but it's really not because it's our full-time job so we're we get up we're working 10 to 6 every day as far as like how do you start that process um, on the first day of rehearsal, you know, we'll have intro, the director will talk about the show, what their vision is for the show, like, what they hope to get out of it. Sometimes you'll do a table read all together, but sometimes that will be later on. Um, and then we just, like, jump right in. Like, we're in music rehearsal first day. I think we had five hours of music. And um, that's where we just all sit in our sections, our conductor, music director, um, Soto in this case, um, just takes us through the whole score of the show and we get our parts broken down for us, we try singing it together. You want to be a little prepared but it's also you're, you're learning it together as you go. So that's what the first few days are is a lot of music um, so you can familiarize yourself and it's just what you would expect like it's it's just fun you're sitting there like you can ask questions you can you write things down they'll give you direction like we want sforzando here we want a piano here we want this 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 um so it's just a way it's just a space for the music director to also assert like his vision for the or yeah. her or her vision for the yeah. music <laughs> and yeah so then we jump right into choreography too so when we're in the rehearsal space we have what's called a number line so it, it starts at zero is the center and then it's like two, two, four, four on either side, and it goes all the way to 16, and that's just a way for us to keep the dimensions of the stage, like, consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we're setting choreography, setting blocking, we, um, you know, you know that you have to go from four to two, and then it's always the same no matter where you are. A lot of times, too, we usually start in a regular rehearsal space, but then we'll also move to... Um, our bigger space that has the exact dimensions of the stage so it'll have our number line which actually is on this actual stage too and then it'll have like we'll have a lot of tape spike tape that are marking out like the dimensions of the set and where it is Um, so when we're setting blocking and choreography we're working around that doesn't that change from theater to theater though nope oh really always exactly the same oh yeah Um, which a lot of people also ask me because our deck our show deck is what we overlay on the stage and it's the same thing every time so it's like a bunch of panels that they put together that has all of our spike marks it's the exact same dimensions no matter what theater we're in oh they bring it from week to week yeah oh that's crazy i didn't know that yeah yeah so it's really nice so we never have to like readjust when we're in the city um but yeah the rehearsal process for this was super fun and with a show like this, which is a first national, so it's not like the show is leased out to regional theaters and whatnot, where it's like pretty set in stone. We mm-hmm. had the ability to like change things, work around things, change music. We had Robert Horn, the writer, with us. We had Andrea Grody. Yeah, who was love Andrea. Uh, me too. I love her. She's <laughs> I'm such, such a, a fan. <laughs> me too. She's a boss lady. She was the original conductor on Broadway for it. Mm-hmm. She's such a badass. Yeah, she is such a badass. She's so cool. Um, but anyway, so she came to work with us a lot um, to, you know, she was rewriting music sometimes if we if we're doing a set transition and we didn't have enough time, she would rewrite it, and yeah. we'd have more ooze or whatever we yeah. need to, like, get through it, um, which I know you guys were getting rewrites as well. Totally. All the so time. we were the same in that way, like, yeah, so that was really, really cool, too. It was almost like a workshop, but it was just really fun. Once we are, you know, 
learning the show, we start what's called our designer run, where all of the costumes, wigs, hair, I guess that's the same thing, <laughs> hair and makeup, all of the departments basically come together and they watch us do the show just on the space, not in costumes or anything, just to see the rough draft, basically, yeah. to see what needs to be altered, what needs to be changed, what they can add to it that they yeah. hadn't thought about before. Anyway, so once we do our designer run, then we have the rest of that week to make adjustments in whatever way we need, finish up costume fittings, wig fittings, all of that. Um, and then we're off to tech. Tech rehearsal is where they bring in the lights, the sound, everything that, you know, puts the show together on stage. We have to work all the scene transitions on the actual stage. And um, it's a lot of standing around, a lot of us waiting while they adjust the lights, the lighting cues, just how the show goes in sequence, basically, how our costumes work on stage. And then um, once we start running the show, once lights are set, we start running it, and then we have our preview, and then we open. That's the general, like, span of how it goes. Yeah, just to give a quick, I guess, rundown of our very shortened version, because as a musician, we were just kind of plopped in the end. And <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. so different for us. Totally. It's like we had three days of rehearsal, and then it wow. was tech. Oh my god. And like, we were all expected to like, know our parts at a professional level, and it being my first professional job, I was like, oh my god, and like, I, for a month, was just listening to the Tootsie soundtrack, like, on repeat in my car whenever I was going anywhere. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I was like, I, this needs to be super ingrained, I need to, like, get my shit together, um, but yeah, it was really fast, it was just like, wow. we all need to be able to play our parts pretty perfectly, still, like, if there, there might be some weird stuff that we just need to, like, figure out, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was kind of just like putting it together, running through stuff a couple times, and then loading into the pit, and then starting to do runs with you guys, which was just like crazy. Yeah. So it's a very abridged version where you guys have this whole process and we're just kind of like, cool, like, it was crazy how fast it was. But yeah, thank you for breaking that down. Yeah, um, of course. My one last question was just, what do you think the future of Broadway and musical theater kind of holds, and how do we ideally have a more like equitable diverse inclusive um industry it's kind of a big question yeah that is a big question i mean broadway is already starting to start telling new kinds of stories because you know back in the day you had your classic rogers and hammerstein which of course i love them like they're they're the ogs like yeah. they're brilliant um but it's it's your general like there's a, a white girl ingenue and the man who is a baritone and yeah. something happens and they fall in love and right. it's it's pretty formulaic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, you have the, the I want song, you have the hypothetical love song, you right. have, then they always, a lot of times, end up falling in love. Um, not to say there's not a lot of really profound works from early times, but... Mm -hmm. But there has been, there is a lot of musicals that are kind of similar in formula. And I think that's kind of changing. Like, I think there's a lot of, a lot more experiment, I can't talk, <laughs> experimental work now. <laughs> there's a lot more um, things that are, like, a little less structured. There's, it's, it's not your classic, like, a man and a woman fall in love totally. and get married. There's... There's a lot more of that starting to emerge, um, which makes it honestly hard to predict what the future of Broadway holds. Yeah. There, I will say something that has shifted pretty clearly is there's a lot more pop music now. Yeah. Which I'm personally not a huge fan of. It's not good for us instrumentalists. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, I love an orchestra. I love sitting through that Music Man overture, and it's just epic, you know? Yeah, I like, played the Music Man. It's such a fun book. Oh, you did? Yeah. I super, bet. Super, super fun. I bet. Yeah, I just, so in that way, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't love, I don't love that. I mean, pop music is great, and like Hamilton, something like Hamilton was so revolutionary. Yeah, completely. Um, no pun intended. But like, yeah, that is a shift that I've seen. Overtures are out yeah. a lot of times, yeah. which is really depressing, in my personal opinion. Same. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that 
just some of these like small expectations like will start to be brought to consciousness. I think it's just a lot of things that people don't even think of as being like inequalities. Um, hopefully will start to be noticed more and I, I really do think that they are. In general I feel like there's been a lot more a lot more inclusive casting as far as race and um, even body image and I think that's good. I think our cast honestly is pretty diverse. Yeah. I remember when I was young and I watched the Brandy Cinderella. I have you seen that one? No. So Brandy is um, she's a singer and she's black and um, it's also with Whitney Houston. Anyway, so Brandy nice. plays Cinderella. And when I was young, that was the one we always watched. It was my favorite Cinderella. And I remember seeing a picture of the Broadway Cinderella, like, from a long time ago, where Julie Andrews played Cinderella. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, Cinderella's black. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And I think it's just a really good example of, like, you know, for me as a young girl, that was just normal. Like, yeah, Cinderella's black. The fairy godmother's black. Mm -hmm that's how it is and I think that says a lot for I think there's been some criticism of like oh you should just pick who's best for the part you shouldn't try to be inclusive and on one hand it's like yes if you're really pulling teeth and like someone's clearly better mm -hmm. that's one thing but also it's like there's there is something to be said for the work of of just making it happen versions like the brandy cinderella like challenge that and and then create a new normal for people so I think that work is being done now I think people yeah. are trying to make a conscious effort to establish like what is familiar to us and I think that's a good thing and I think eventually then we can get back to the place of like we don't have to make an effort for it it'll just be familiar and yeah we can cast whoever really does the job best you know yeah that's, that's what I think. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for your time. Of this has course. been a delight. It was so fun. Uh, and yeah, it's been great.